HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Michter's Distillery. Visit Michter's.com to find out how their taste-is-everything, cost-be-damned attitude is creating some of the finest whiskeys available. Hey, what's up? This is Jack Inslee, host of Full Service Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this show, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. And in the studio today, I'm very happy to be able to promote a new book that uh, that is... It's in my lap right now. I'm looking at it. It's a beautiful book, and I'm so psyched to to see that it's coming out this month. Uh, an awesome new book called Brooklyn Spirits, Craft Distilling and Cocktails from the World's Hippest Borough. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> so we have the authors in the studio today. We've got Pete Fornital and Chris Words. Welcome to the studio, guys. Oh, thanks for having us, David. I've, I've eaten in that restaurant many times and looked over at this glass window and wondered what was going on in here, and it's it's nice to finally uh, figure it out. That's the whole reason why I wrote the book, just so you could get in here and be on the show. <laughs> cool. So, guys, uh, let's get into it. Um, first of all, um, how did you guys meet? Like, when, what was the idea? Like, how, what was the whole process of like brainstorming? Like, from from having a drink and talking about this to uh, the actual print book that I have in my hands right now. Uh, well, it's it's always the woman behind the man, right? <laughs> Pete and I have known each other a long time. <laughs> I was putting together a spirits program in Brooklyn, and they needed a they needed an uplift to their identity. And uh, the craft scene was just starting to come out with distilled spirits in Brooklyn. So I was excited. I said, "Well, let's do our whole program around this craft scene. Let's get people to make stuff for us and put it on the menu." And I used to bring Pete in to try stuff. Cool. And his wife said, "Why don't you guys do a book?" <laughs> My wife's been a, a Susan Van Meter has been a publishing professional as I have for uh, the last couple of decades. And we were originally, we met at the old uh, Blind Tiger Ale House in oh, yeah. Manhattan, and we were kicking around the idea, kicking the tires on the idea of uh, what craft beer book hasn't been done. And once she heard us talking with such passion about some of the exciting stuff going on uh, in Brooklyn, she she correctly pointed out, like, look, this is people have written books about beer that are okay. Nobody's writing anything about what's happening in Brooklyn in terms of craft stuff, and especially the distilling and cocktail scene. So uh, it was that was definitely our eureka moment, and uh, 
from there, it ended up being just this fun pet project, uh, the most fun research I've ever done on a book, getting to go yeah, around sure. and hang out with people like you and uh, taste great things and try to come up with some cool flavors and recipes that people can relate to and understand and enjoy. Yeah, I, and and rightly so. I mean, to me, it's, it's not just... It, the greatest borough just because it is it, the greatest city because it is it's it's really the the attitude and you know the spirit you know if you will and as you have as it um <laughs> that uh that really keeps uh the scene really growing. like it's not what i really like about the brooklyn scene is it's not it, when it comes to like food and bev it's it's not just the bev it, they they're all supportive of each other like places like cut brooklyn that makes all these amazing chef knives and you know, you've got your distilleries and your breweries and these great bars and stuff. bitters makers, um, cheese monitors, like these. Every aspect of this is really based on quality and craft and community, mostly to me. That's you can't really thrive in the way that Brooklyn has without having that sense of community. I think we saw that a lot during the process, this sense of a rising tide lifts all ships. Mm-hmm. It wasn't people fighting for their own little piece of the pie. It was people who wanted to make the whole pie bigger and who liked the idea that they were living in a place and a time where they could engage whatever creative aspect they had and try to get in touch with making something real and cool. Yeah. And as a result of uh, being introduced to that community, people were very, very generous with their time, uh, such as yourself, and also with introductions. So all of a sudden, we're talking to one person and then learning about – I mean, we had some names when we started this project, people we knew we wanted to talk to who were doing great stuff in Brooklyn. But one of the most pleasant surprises and things that I hope comes across in the pages of Brooklyn Spirits is some of the people who you've never heard of who are doing these great DIY bartending things and uh, and finding a way to pr- get their vision of what great eating and drinking is uh, out there in the world and to have various spirit makers introduce us to different bartenders and people on the restaurant side and be able to talk to them and have them be generous with their time. I just feel like one of the reasons it's easy to promote a book like this is because sometimes you're talking about a book and it's like, well, I wrote this amazing book and it feels all very self-serving. But one thing that's for me so exciting about talking about this book is we're promoting this really cool work that all these other people are doing. And I, I, I'm hoping we, we did a good job capturing it. And I think you'll enjoy the book uh, for, for their insights more than anything necessarily uh, Chris and I. We just surfed the in their coattails. We yeah. didn't really do anything. <laughs> we just walked around, took their pictures, and put in a book. <laughs> Can you buy it, please? On sale October 14th. You finer stores. Liquor stores and bowling alleys. Well, what's cool, yeah, liquor stores and bowling alleys. I mean, that, you should definitely have this at the gutter. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it's already yeah, it's already talked to them. Awesome. Uh, you know, that's what, that's what turned me on to the scene early was that camaraderie, that sense of community. When I started putting together that spirit program for Brooklyn Only, I only knew one brand. I read about some gin on an airplane mag, and I, uh, I asked them, I called them up. I said, hey, can you come into my restaurant and teach my staff how to, uh, what gin is and what local gin is, and we'll put it on. He says, are you sure you want me? I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, there was another local gin that was in the Times recently. I said, well, I didn't read the Times. He says, well, I'll come in anyway, but it might have been the other guys. So he came in, gave me his gin. I loved it. He said, who are the other guys? And he gave me the other guys' names. said, you should call them. They're really good. I said, all right, I'll call the mm, other guys. Yeah. Said, all right, cut it out, buddy. Yeah. That's your competition, isn't it? He says, no. We all, so I got them all. And then I said, I asked the other guy, who else is there? And he started giving me names of people that were not even making stuff yet, but were willing to give me stuff. Awesome. I said, all right, here we got a scene now. Let's do this. 
Yeah, I mean, that, it's it, like just flipping through the book right now. I, I came to this page. Um, I'm not sure which. What's cool about this is you've got the chapters basically broken down in. Uh, uh, these different sections by distillery. Yeah, by maker, exactly. Yeah. We'll have, whether it's a distiller or a rectifier. Um, you know, we, Jack from Brooklyn has his chapter, and uh, uh, Josh from uh, Barrow has his chapter, and uh, New York Distilling has their yeah. chapter, etc., all down the line. It's great. You know, and just in the same way that we were talking about before, it's like we are very, like, a, a embracing of our community here, and it's like n- non-confrontational, non-competition. Uh, like I flipped to this page on the Mai Tai, and I immediately I was like, "Wait a minute, that looks like a glass at Tiki Adams' house." <laughs> <laughs> you then, got it. Then I flipped back a page, and there's Tiki Adams. Does it at also look like bar. his outdoor patio? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It does. In front um, of his Airstream bar, that's one of my favorite pictures in the book. Tiki yeah. Adam in front of the Airstream bar. Get well soon, by the way, Adam. If you're yeah, listening, he's he's, he's got a little limp <laughs> he broke his foot uh yeah, tiki, walking his dog tiki drinks will do that no nah, well yeah <laughs> he blames it on his dog but i think it was the rum um but yeah i mean you've got in the section with bridget from uh from oni's rum the noble experiment uh, uh it's right before this you know you've got you know even with uh the section the part that i'm in with uh you know i i work closely with uh, brooklyn gin and greenhood ginsmiths and so i've got a a couple of drinks in here, but I look at the old fashioned, which is this is a beautifully photographed book, by the way. Oh, thank um, you. And uh, but then the next page, like these these cherries look awesome in, in this old fashioned. <laughs> you flip the page, and then it's Toby Chikini's cherries from uh, Long Island Bar. You know, it's like it's a constant. I was saying before the show, looking at this for the first time today, just before we went on air, that it's kind of like like I'm flipping through the pages. And it's like, oh my god, I know that person. I know that person. Like, it, I, I can look at certain cocktails and just the background. I'm like, oh, that's shot at this place. And then I flip the page. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it is. So, <laughs> ma- so, so many cool. of these stories came together naturally. There was, there was one instance on the worst snowstorm of this year where uh, Dale was supposed to, Dale DeGroff was supposed to make a drink for our book using Alan Katz from New York, Distil- New York Distilling Company's uh, rye. It wasn't bottled yet, so we had to pick up some rye out of the barrel to bring it to Dale and we said, well, we've got to meet Toby Cicini at, at a Long Island Bar anyway. Dale says, well, I haven't been there yet, and he's killing me to go. Why don't we meet there? Nice. So we go in at noon to bring Alan's rye to Dale so he can hang out with Toby. And now we're all sitting around trying a rye that nobody else in the world has had yet. And two feet of snow come down on us, and we get trapped in there <laughs> having drinks at noon. Oh, it sounds like a terrible experience. <laughs> yeah, <that> was, <laughs> not, not such an unpleasant afternoon. I don't think trapped <laughs> is the word I would use. And the, the picture of Dale in the book is from that day, and the smile is a page wide. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Look at that. That's, that's what he's doing I right think you there. can see the reflection of the snow yeah, on his face yeah. if you look closely enough. It was unbelievable. Speaking of the pictures, our, our photographer, Max Kelly, definitely deserves a shout-out. He, uh, he, he did a terrific job on location in a lot of these places shooting, uh, I wanted to say, rolls and rolls of film, but I suppose that's a dated yeah. way of saying it. You can still say it. Just there are people laughing. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, and, and it was fun. The, 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 I've worked in public a long time, but I've never worked on a book that was so visual. And I definitely owe a debt. Uh, Chris has a background in visual media, which came very much into play in terms of art direction. Also, our friend Louise Leonard, who's a professional food stylist. And honestly, uh, you know, not to kiss the ring too much, Damon, but you were also amazingly helpful the day we shot at Prime Meats, just trying oh, to f- figure out the, uh, you know, the exact way to make these drinks look just the way we wanted to. 
And uh, I think when people get a chance to flip through the book, they'll, they'll hopefully have the same enthusiasm that I do about the way that these uh, these cocktails look. Because at its essence, um, even though this is a book about the scene and there's a lot of DIY elements to it, it's a cocktail book. And in a cocktail book, the drinks have to look great. And thanks to the, the team that we put together and our uh, designer, Eric Skillman, who put the whole book together, I, I think the, the, the vision got executed in a way that looks pretty tasty. It does. It really does. And, you know, I, I think just having the way that this book is formatted, having the um, the backstory of, like, the bartenders and the owners and the distillers, and, like, this is, it's just really cool. Like, it's not just a cocktail book. I mean, I know that's what the whole point of this book is, it, but it's it's a shared experience. And I think that's that goes back as a testament to what the base of this is, you know, the Brooklyn bar scene you know and absolutely yeah so it's really cool and i'm sure you know max didn't have a hard time going to location from location to location to shoot all this stuff i'm sure he got his chance to sample some goods <laughs> oh yeah he did he did okay yeah. i don't think he was <laughs> complaining about the gig either well i know the book is really crisp uh, well shot and you know so by the end you know you'd expect it to be a little blurry but <laughs> but it looks great all, all the way fortunately through. we didn't go in order you know we were <laughs> able to we were able to filter some of that stuff well, that's out. a good thing about shooting digital you know <laughs> you just keep firing away <laughs> that's a fun, we didn't uh you know in planning this book we didn't intend it to be photo heavy our head was around the stories our first research was the the stories that made up the scene and the history of distilling in Brooklyn, and we naturally went into that. We researched the heck out of that. Our proposal was heavy with history, heavy history and essays, and, and as we started doing it and talking to people, we found, geez, the, the current narratives are, are rich. We, we could ignore a lot of that stuff. We can use it as our own research to strengthen our, our writing, but these current narratives were so cool. They were kind of repeating a cycle of, of Brooklyn immigration that was 100 years old where... Their grandparents or great-grandparents brought some traditions from another country here, kept them, moved over in America somewhere, were forgotten a generation later by people who were trying to assimilate, and then a new generation was curious about where their family came from once upon a time. Mm -hmm. And they were curious about what was going on in Brooklyn. And they rediscovered it. And how they rediscovered it through either cooking or cheese-making or, or knife-making, as you said, these distillers were doing that. And they all had these really genuine narratives for us for why they were part of this scene and why they were expressing themselves in this way. And we said, well, my God, this is this is a much better book you guys just gave us. Yeah, it's almost like you do a whole series, like every five years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, well, it's it, funny it's you true, mention yeah. that. Yeah, the, 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 one, of, one of the ideas that... Uh, that, that came up during the book. It was actually uh, presented by one of the one of the makers in the book, uh, uh, Bianca from Uncouth Vermouth. The idea that this is a it's a yearbook in it a really sense. Is. Yeah. It's capturing what's going on right now. It's not a big problem if such and such a bartender or, uh, or, or was at a certain bar when we wrote this book and then moved on somewhere else, or if uh, one of the distillers, uh, one of the partners, left a certain distillery to go do something else. We're trying to capture this moment in time. And what's going on right here as this, you know, I think we're pre-tipping point on this whole uh, Brooklyn distilling scene. But there, And there's a lot to capture that I think the home bartender, the home cook, um, and just the spirits enthusiast will enjoy when, when reading through. But it, it is really about capturing a moment in time. And in five years, it'll be a different moment in time worth capturing as well, we hope. Absolutely. That's why, you know, a lot of the old authors, you know... Uh, Jerry Thomas, uh, Harry Johnson, they, they didn't put out just one book, you know. Good point. <laughs> they, Very good they point. Kept, they kept writing books. And <laughs> it's fun to track the lineage of a cocktail when, you know, for instance, the Martinez, you know, it was vermouth heavy. Then you look at the same author, you know, 
10 years later and all of a sudden they've changed their recipe but that's what we do you know that it's constantly evolving constantly changing and uh it's just a really cool thing to like i've been doing this radio show for four years and just in the last four years just to see how much everything changes it's amazing and that's why it's great to have people come back to the show and talk about the the progress and the changes that have been made in the evolution of uh, their bars and the way that they make and drinks. Actually, let's take a quick break, and when we get back, let's talk about some of your uh, favorite spots and what really makes them stand out in the Brooklyn uh, cocktail and food scene. Victor's Distillery is a proud sponsor of In the Drink and HeritageRadioNetwork.org. At Mictor's, our passion is making the finest whiskeys possible. When you only make small batch and single barrel whiskeys like Mictor's does, your whiskey has to be perfect. No detail is too small, from careful attention to the wood used in the construction of our barrels to lower barrel entry proof before heat-cycled aging in advance of exacting chill filtration. And no whiskey gets bottled until Mictor's master distiller says it's just right. Mictor's cost be damn, taste is everything attitude is apparent in every sip of its smooth, rich whiskeys. Is it worth it? A lot of spirits lovers seem to think so. Food and Wine magazine called Mictor's the best American whiskey. Bon Appetit said it's amazing. And the Wall Street Journal had one special word for Mictor's. Phenomenal. For more information, visit Mictor's.com or simply visit your favorite bartender or retailer and ask for Mictor's. And we are back. You're listening to The Speakeasy. And in the studio today, I've got Pete and Chris, authors of the new book that's coming out this month, Brooklyn Spirits, Craft Distilling and Cocktails from the World's Hippest Borough. Um, we were just talking about the book before and about the great, just the concept of the community and the the inspiration from this industry and scene to inspire a book like this. And uh, so I was wondering, uh, what... What are some of your favorites? I mean, you can't. I mean, I don't don't feel like on the spotlight for this, but like, you know, like, what are some of the places that you find inspiration for? Some of the places inspired the book that I'm holding right now. To go first here, Chris. Yeah. One of the first ones that comes to mind is the first place we visited, and that's uh, the Shanty. Oh yeah. Which of course is the. It's not really a still pub at all because there's only a handful of house bottles there, but it's the bar associated with the New York Distilling Company. Mm -hmm. And based on reputation and resume and what we'd tasted, that was really the place we wanted to start with the book. That was our chapter for our proposal, I believe. We didn't even have a deal when we went in there, right? Yep. And uh, Alan Katz, just so well regarded in the spirits industry. And then, of course, uh, Tom, Tom Potter, Potter, yeah, with his experience. With, with the talk about n narratives. Tom Potter, a guy who helped, you mm -hmm. know, along with Steve Hindy, 
founding Brooklyn Brewery and what that became, the fact that he was then turning his attention to the spirits world really suggested to us that there was a larger world there. So it helped to, us with publishers too, I think. Yeah, wow. ab- absolutely. Nice. To, and to to go in there and to meet, uh, you know, to, to to meet a guy like Nate, of course, you know, who who's got a he's back- got a hell of a narrative too. Oh, a background in brewing and distilling, and just going in there and meeting those guys and and having a. Having you know, having sitting at that bar and having a gimlet and uh, and and talking and a lot to of pink them. gins. <laughs> we we had a lot of we had a lot of fun, and I have to say, in terms of in terms of inspiration, it kind of all spun out from there. So it yeah, in a way, picking my I feel bad. I can't pick a favorite because it's you know it's choosing amongst uh, you know children in a sense. It's like we we love them all <laughs> equally, but you know that's one that w- that happened very early on that really uh, leaps vaunts to the top of the list. Um, when, when I'm thinking about inspiration for the book, cool. I mean, what about you, Chris? Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I have trouble picking favorite bars because I can't go to bars when there are people there. I bartend. <laughs> I bartend for about 20 years, so whenever I'm around people on that side, I start feeling weird. So I love. I love that the book gave us an opportunity to hang out at most of these bars when they were closed. Yeah. So I'd stretch out my arms, feel feel the wood, ask him what kind of wood it is, talk about the bar itself, and really get to know these people. That when you're when you're sitting there and across from the bar, you don't get to know them. You might think you're getting to know them. You're talking to them. They seem friendly, but they're not telling you anything about themselves half the time because they're too busy. And sure. I, I loved getting to know a lot of these personalities that I've had scant information of for a long, long time. Getting you know just closer to them, sharing emails, sharing secrets about recipes, and and um, learning a lot. I learned. So much more about bartending in the six months working on this book than I did in 20 years behind the stick. Yeah. I, I felt like I knew nothing those 20 years. Uh, I felt actually shame, shameful learning <laughs> from these guys like Dale DeGroff and Tony and uh, Toby. I mean, these guys that just plying away at it and doing innovative stuff for so long. Well, I think it goes back to the book. You know, it's like the amount of information out there that is that the bartenders are willing to share is... Amazing, and yeah. you know, every time you like you you get a tip about like the production of a cocktail, like some little technique, it just constantly inspires you yeah. to keep going. There's a click. I've had so many times where I'm, I'm training at bars or or I'm, I'm teaching my staff about things, and an experienced bartender will come up to me after and say, "Wait, did you say you do that to that drink?" I said, "Yeah." So I've been working a long time. I've never seen that. I said, "Try it." They, say, they try it. Say, I love that. Thank you. I'm like, well, thank you. I mean, you've been doing it a long time too. It's it's not that anyone is as smarter than the others, but if you find things that work and you're willing to share it to people, we're all trying to make the customer happy. We're sure. all trying to make people's experience pleasurable. Right. And if we can find little ways to do that, then we all win. We all we we all win, and there's no reason to hold it back. If you think you've got such a secret that you can hold back, then it's probably not very important. Yeah. You're not, you're not serving the public. You're, exactly. You're just you've got something selfish. That's why. That's why I don't. You know, I, I don't really. Enter like cocktail competitions. I don't like to compete. I like to embrace and share. You know, I feel like the West Coast has finally come around. Based on what we do here, you know, it's like they in the West. The West Coast was uh, uh, always very like competitive and showy and just like secret and just like ah, us against it and like everyone else. And here it's like we're all a community. And you know, one of my. One of my good friends, Thomas Walk, he um, he worked at Clover Club, and he worked and it, as far as like Brooklyn places. He worked at Maison Premier, and he worked at Prime Meats with me for a while. He's the uh, bar director for a major food group, um, which 
actually, I, I work at ZZ's, one of their places. We just got a Michelin star yesterday. Not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's pretty sweet. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, these, he, ta- he showed me one thing um, about four or five months ago. And it just kind of kind of made me take a step back and i was like what the hell have i been doing the whole time and we'd all done this the you know you have your glass chiller so you've got this frosty glass and you're making a sazerac and it has an absinthe rinse in it and we were just before the show we were trying out some of your absinthe that you've been working on chris so this is going to make sense to you especially um you're making a sazerac and you like take an atomizer it's beautifully distributed absinthe all throughout the glass you know and he was like wait a minute it's like why don't we just... He's like, let's chill the glass with ice. That way there's water in the glass. And then you spritz the absinthe in there. And then it mixes with water. Because that's the way you drink absinthe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mix sure. it with water. Open it up. Yeah, and I was like, my mind was blown. Yeah. It was like yeah. the simplest thing. It's, it's I, usually the simplest. It's it's stirring. It's pouring. It's spritzing. Yeah. It's the simplest thing in the world. I, I, I and forget, sharing that information. I forget what it was. I remember I told a bartender. They'd been work, he'd been bartending for years. Ten years. And I told him I'd added... This, a scant splash of seltzer to some really standard drink to open up the sugars in it. And he said, you put seltzer in that? And it blew his mind. And he started making it like that and reported back to me, it's so much better. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. It's not supposed to be seltzer in that, but it needs it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, the old-fashioned, you know, a lot of people will take, splash some seltzer on, you know, the sugar cube. It's like, all right, you know, you're not going to get the bubbly effect, but it's probably in there somewhere. Yeah. Like, uh, Cabell Tomlinson probably my favorite bartender um she would when she makes um her margaritas she showed me her margarita spec and she puts like a bar spoon of of simple syrup in there along with Quantro, and it just adds body to it and instead of just having the three ingredient drink you yeah. add like a bar spoon of Mar- or uh, not Mar- uh, simple syrup and it makes the world of difference also going back to like thomas and brian miller like they Anytime they make a daiquiri, it's like they, instead of doing a full ounce of lime juice, they put three quarters of an ounce, and then they squeeze a lime wedge into it and drop. Tiki Adam does this as well with his Mai Tais. Uh, dropping the, the lime wedge or the lime shell into the drink into the shaker and shaking with it. So you've got this extremely fresh, vibrant juice, and then you've got the oil from the skin yeah, yeah. mixed into it. And yeah, I've always changed everything. Yeah, I've always, I, I always, I was taught to do that with... Um, like a gimlet or something, like 20 years ago. So I don't yeah. know where, where it came from. It's sort but of a cordial I, I, effect. It, it, it's not just uh, yeah, it's not just juice and sugar. There's something else going on that yeah. that, 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 that zest provides something to the drink. But it's I, like I, something I, that like a lot of people, a lot of bartenders, we had to realize you know, that we are probably 0.005% of the bartenders in this. In it's this. not just bartenders. I had, uh, and not to go too far in this theme, we're leaving our book behind. But <laughs> I had a bar back at the Blind Tiger years ago who's a, you know one of the best bar backs in the city, Osvaldo. Uh, he's Mexican, Love and, Ozzie, and, yeah. and I would be six deep on a Saturday night, just sweating and, and angry. And he'd help he'd help out, and he could pour any drink we had. And he'd make his margaritas with a little bit of red wine in them. He put a what? little he put a little red wine in it. He just and and all that of a sudden, crazy. all of a sudden, the line was at his end of the bar. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? He's like, it's my special margaritas, and, and the women would just line up for it and line up for it. I said, what do you call that? Is I don't have a name. And I tried. I said, oh my God, this is amazing. I said, this was incredible. It was just this new, incredible drink that I didn't think of making. So I made one. And it stunk. 
It was terrible. <laughs> I, did, I couldn't replicate the drink, and he'd show me how to do it, and I'd made thousands of margaritas. It's the most common drink you were making, especially in the 90s. And I said, do it again for me. He'd make it. I'd try it. I said, my God, this is good. <laughs> and then he'd, I'd make it, and i said, this stinks. He said, I don't know what you're doing. From now on, don't help me. <laughs> <laughs> so he couldn't, they, they would all go to him, and none of our glasses were getting cleaned. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's... I, I, I think that that's a testament to again, you know, to the the sharing of the information and the spirit, if you if you will, uh, of uh, Brooklyn and of the bar scene. So, tell me what you've got going on. You've got, I mean, you're this isn't even dropped yet. Like I have a I have an advanced copy. That's an advanced copy. We're going to be on sale. It can be pre ordered now online. Uh, Great deal. Great deal if you get it now. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Amazon and BNN both have uh, pretty good pretty good discounts. Of course, we always encourage you to go to your local independent bookstore and 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 wait another week or two. But you know, if if you're if you're an instant gratification type of person and you want to go online, but another way to get the book is to come see us at one of our events that we have coming yeah, up. Tell us what you got coming up. Yeah, we got two next week on Monday. We're actually going to be at the affordable mentioned uh, shanty um starting what time we what time are we there Chris? seven o'clock seven o'clock at the shanty um cut, we're going to make some of the drinks from the from the new york distilling company chapter of the book and expecting a good crowd um of of various folks from the brooklyn cocktail scene and beyond so you can come join us there that's a free event now if you're an oyster lover this tuesday event we've got going that's the one you want to circle on your calendar and uh and come to that's going to be at at Franny's. I worry that in this space, even mentioning the word Franny's, I'm going to get like struck by lightning <laughs> on the way out or something. Let's hope, let's hope that's not the case. But uh, we do love Roberta's as well. But Franny's, we're uh, w- w- it's going to be an all oyster fest. It's going to be a full meal in cocktail type bites, uh, prepared hors d'oeuvres, and uh, on the half shell. Served along with cocktails, courtesy of our friends at Brooklyn, spelled the Dutch way, distilling. We're going to be doing a couple of drinks from the book, the Brooklyn cocktail that Franny's does, which is basically sort of a Manhattan sour kind of a cool take on the on the old Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and also the the a drink called the Tom O'Connell that actually Brad uh, Easterbrook from Brooklyn Distilling served at his wedding and shared the recipe with us for, oh, for, cool. for the book. It's pretty cool. So we'll be serving those cocktails. We'll be having some, uh, some sparkling wine. We'll be eating all manner of oysters and signing books and having fun. So if you want to come out and see us Monday at the Shanty or Tuesday at Franny's, that's, uh, that, that's the most efficient way to get a signed copy of Brooklyn Spirits. Awesome. And do you have uh, any plans for doing a book tour? <laughs> it's it's sort of a modified book, book tour. I mean, it's you know every corner of Brooklyn. We're hoping. Um, what else do we What else do we have in the world? You got to spread the gospel. You yeah, we got a, we have an event at our publisher October sixteenth. Um, that's sort of our coming out party at the at the publisher. We'll be serving cocktails. The there Powerhouse with, with, Arena. That's yeah, actually a really great bookstore. We'll be there with Green Hook Gin and Oni's yeah. Rum, pouring some drinks. We'll be at the Brooklyn uh, Library, the Dweck Auditorium, on October twenty third. That's going to be a big event. We're going to have like. Four or five distillers there pouring drinks, and I don't even know what we're talking about. We're going to be there saying, "Hey, drink that, drink that, drink that." <laughs> I'm buy, hoping we buy can the book, just, buy you know, the book, yeah. drink that, drink <laughs> yeah, yeah. that, buy the book, drink that. <laughs> we take get, a bow, blow a whistle, and just we've have got, people and then we've got great events coming up, like at Norman's Kill. Um, some of the some of the local bars that were featured in the book, Lavender Lake, Lucy's Lounge. We'll probably have and schedule you probably going to have an event. We've got an event in Harlem at um, BTL, way way up in Harlem. This pretty cool. Um, French um, liquor store 
Cool. They're uh, opening up. So, yeah, we've got a lot in the calendar right now. And we're, we're trying to really incorporate um, everybody that's involved with the book. We want to give them a chance to show off their involvement and support what they're doing. You know, that's that's really what the book was about, trying to just show off what they're doing. And because we think it's so cool, we think everyone else will, too. Yeah, probably the best way to follow along generally. We have a, a little blog for the book that Chris has been doing a great job keeping updated, brooklyn-spirits.com. There'll be a full list of events on there and other fun things we're doing. We uh, a, a, a friend of mine, a DJ friend of mine from upstate New York, a guy named Blake, has been uh, putting together a Spotify playlist of music inspired by the book. We'll cool. be sharing a link on the blog for that. And, That's uh, a great idea. Yeah, get a chance to listen to... You know the clovers sing one mint julep and things like that. So if nice. uh, that that's one good way. The other thing is to follow us on Twitter. Um, I can be found at at looms boldly. That's L O O M S B O L D L Y. And uh, you know, be talking about book events all the time. Chris is also on there. What's your handle again? Uh, it's at G O V Chris Words. Governor Chris Wirtz. Yeah. <laughs> so follow us on Twitter. Check us out on the blog. Come see us. Tell us you heard us on here. And, uh, you know, get a copy of the book. And we're, we're happy to talk about all this stuff. Great. I'm, I'm so glad that uh, we actually got a chance to talk about it. And I can't wait to get into the book and read all about what my friends have been doing. <laughs> and thank you, friends. Chris, Pete, thanks for being on Speaking Easy today. Having us. Can't wait to uh, see how the book turns out. I'm sure it's going to be just exactly what I expect. Just amazing. Just like Brooklyn. Like Brooklyn! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tune in next week for the Speakeasy. Cheers. It's gonna get you listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org you can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the itunes store by searching heritage radio network you can like us on facebook and follow us on twitter at heritage underscore radio you can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org heritage radio network is a 501c3 nonprofit. to donate and become a member visit our website today thanks for listening